whenever you're developing a plan going forward or a strategy going forward, you need the input of the people to tell you what is important. That was former mayor of Amherst, Robert Small, our guest on episode 19. Stay informed, get involved. Welcome to the Great Amherst Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Cameron. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, This is the third episode in the short series we're doing on how people can get involved and make their voices heard in our community and our political system. Uh, We talked to Bill Casey two weeks ago, our former MP. Last week, talked to Terry Farrell, our MLA. And this week on the show, we're talking to our former town of Amherst mayor, Rob Small. Rob was the mayor of Amherst from 2008 to 2015 when he decided not to reoffer. He was also a town councillor from 1994 to 2000. Rob was born and raised in Amherst, has spent most of his career in town, and raised his three sons here too. So thank you to Rob for coming on to be a guest today. I wanted Rob to come on today to talk about his experience in municipal politics and how he found people successfully advocated with the government for making changes and improvements or things that they wanted to see happen in our communities. Um, I wanted to do this little series because, especially in the context of having the municipal election in the fall, uh, I think uh, coming out of the coronavirus shutdown, we have the opportunity to advocate for those changes we want to see in our community. Or if we want things to go back to the way they were before, we have the opportunity to advocate to keep things the same. And I think over the last 25 or 30 years, a lot of people have forgotten, one, that an individual person can make a difference, uh, that it takes action and takes some time. And I wanted to start talking to some politicians who have been through this and hearing from them how and some examples of people who have done this so that as we come out of this shutdown, we can start advocating for those changes that we want to see. Um, I think this is also important in context of the municipal elections coming up in October. This is an opportunity for everybody to get involved in difference. Maybe you choose to take a step and put your name forward to run for a position. Maybe you decide to get involved and help a candidate you connect with to get to run their campaign. Perhaps you take some time to learn about the people running before you vote. Everybody's got a different role to play in this, and I want to start talking about these conversations now so people can think and reflect and decide how they want to get involved. So I appreciate Rob coming on to share his stories uh, from the municipal level. You know, Rob and I talk a lot about the specifics of how people municipally can make their voices heard. He shares the story of where the idea for the Community Credit Union Business Innovation Center came from. And he tells us a great story about what happened at a town council meeting 25 years ago when the town wanted to switch from multiple garbage collectors to one centralized waste collector. We talked a lot about municipal politics and didn't even make a dent into the questions I had about it. Uh, I'm hoping I can convince Rob to come back at a later time and we can talk more uh, municipal politics. So before we get to this, the episode, uh, again, and in the spirit of the Gratitude Project, I want to take a minute to say thank you to anybody and everybody who has left us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. That helps the show and helps me greatly. So I have one more rating that I'd like to re- share with everybody before we get to the interview. And so this rating says, great community program. Loved it. Thank you, Andrew. So I appreciate whoever left this rating. And I ask if you have a moment, could you log on to Apple Podcasts to leave a rating and a review, please? That would help me a lot. And now here's former mayor, Rob Small. 
Welcome back, everybody, to the Great Amherst podcast. Uh, I'm so happy and pleased to be joined today by uh, Rob Small. Rob was born in Amherst, grew up in Amherst, raised his three sons in town. uh, And and I think two of them are back. Jason, yeah, back two of them well? are two. Jason lives in Halifax, so uh, but the other two are here in the Amherst area. So yeah, it's great. Yeah, and so and Rob uh, has worked here for his for quite a while uh, for his career. He was first elected as a member of town council in 1994, and again in 1997, and then was elected mayor in 2008 in 2012. That, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah that sums it up. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. Thank you very much for coming on, Rob. Thank you. Yeah. No, I appreciate the invite. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yeah. And so I I wanted you to come on. I've I've talked with uh, Bill Casey and I've talked with Terry Farrell and now talking with you. And I wanted you to come on because I think coming out of sort of self-isolation and the shutdown from coronavirus, we have an opportunity to really think about uh, if we want to do something different as a community, if we want to put priorities on something else and I think it involves us working together as a community and working together with the different levels of government. And I think that for my generation, for sure, and I think over the last 20, 25 years, our either skills or confidence or or ability to advocate for or influence government has either, we've either forgotten how to do it or we've stopped doing it. And I want to start talking about, okay, how, how does a regular person, just an average person, uh, get back into it and actually work to advocate and make changes that they want to see and what's important to them with government. Yeah. So that's a quick summary of why I wanted to come on. We may cover some of that or all of it, but (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot there, but where I'd like to actually, uh, like to actually start is I think a lot of people are disillusioned with politics and just in general and think I can't make a difference. It doesn't matter. I shouldn't vote. I don't need to get involved. You know, eh, my voice isn't going to make a difference. So I guess I want to start with, can you tell us what do you say to somebody who makes a comment or a statement like that to yourself? Yeah. You know, I think it all comes from um, not understanding where politics plays a role. And what I mean by that is your municipal, provincial and federal governments all have a key role in how, uh, life goes on in our community, our province, and our country. And um, quite often, um, people would suggest things to me when I was mayor. And it depends on what the topic was, whether I could do something about it, right? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I, I think that you need to understand, and, and maybe that's the, the missing link, is that really there's not much education for people coming through the school system in terms of what does a municipal government do? What is their responsibility? What does the province do? And what is a MLA? And what, you know, I mean, even in our own family, you've, you hear the MLA, you hear the, the counselor, you hear the MP, well, you, you hear the MPP in some provinces. And, and so it, it becomes confusing as to what the heck are these people doing? Yeah. And what yeah, are their so, roles? Right. You know, mm-hmm. so with on the municipal side of things and like what would you were involved in it for a while? Like what's your take on what municipal 
staff or municipal politicians like what is their role like or what is the role of the municipal government yeah you know you'll hear the saying that municipal government is the closest to the people well absolutely true it's where the rubber hits the road in terms of things for your area of your country your county your area of town whatever and so um that's the that's the crux of it they're responsible municipal governments are responsible for making sure that well, you know, you got a decent street to, to drive on, that you've got lights, you got security, you got fire, you got uh, septic systems that run into a proper system of uh, control, you've got water s- supply, all those kinds of things. Those are municipal government responsibilities, along with making life better in your community through various strategies and projects that you take on to improve life. Mm, you know, so and. and be- I, I was Go going to ahead. say, and, and well, the thing that uh, um, I think is going to be important going forward and that needs needs to be seriously considered for it doesn't matter what government, what level of government, they need to get public input into what the things are that are important to them. You you started the conversation by saying, you know, we're just com- going to come out of this, this pandemic and, and COVID and um, we're seeing a change in your our environment and the impact that's happened on our environment and um, the positive things that have occurred because there's been a lot of positives. I know there's a lot of negatives, but there's a lot of positives too in terms of our environment. I'm not a, a poster guy for, for green or, you know, that kind of thing, but I do see that there's an opportunity that exists right now to make changes uh, in how we um, make life happen, and I, and that yeah, I, I like that because I think there's that becomes a question. So it's for the regular person, how do they make their voice heard? So like in the municipal, I think it, in some sense easier municipal politics to get your voice heard. Yes. Maybe compared to... Real easy to go knock on the door of the mayor. It's very easy (laughs) to do. (laughs) Yes, see him at the grocery store and say, Rob. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and, and those are all good things too, because, you you know, you're there to hear what people got to say. And quite frankly, if if you think that uh, you can run along and not hear what they have to say, you're not going to be successful, you know, and... uh, um, so, which takes me to this this thought about um, we started on a path a few years back where we were seeking input by the public, and it was to determine what were the priorities for our area, our town, and and you know it covered all kinds of things: economic development, tourism, anything that people felt was important. And um, whenever you're developing a plan going forward or a strategy going forward. You need the input of the people to tell you what is important and then not only tell you what's important, but to tell you, well, how important is it? You know, I mean, prioritize it. You've got you got ten dollars in your pocket and you need to spend it wisely. What do I spend the ten dollars on? Right. So uh, I think that's where you, you governments need to seek input. Um, I've always had a problem with. I'll, I'll call it party politics because, mm-hmm. uh, and I guess that's why municipal government is is near and dear to my heart because party politics isn't necessarily for the good of all, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so right. they they have their own 
interests. And uh, so they go down a certain road, which isn't necessarily the road that all Nova Scotians or, or whatever want to go down. So um, I'm, I think it's important for people to seek and give and provide input when asked by their governments. Yeah. I think I said to either my wife or my dad or some point, I said, in municipal politics, there's, there's no left wing, no right wing take on sewers. No, nope, did you flush right. your toilet and the water go away? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. How yeah. did you tr- open the faucet and get clean, healthy, safe water? Yeah. Done. Yeah. Like it's uh, the, those, those are the kinds of things that are fundamental, right? For everybody. So especially when, especially when you hear about places that in Canada still don't have drinking water. I mean, come on, where are the priorities within government to make that happen? So anyway, yeah, just a, yeah, just a, a side, one. just a side <laughs> one for me. <laughs> so my question with that, with the public input there, what are some of the ways like people can make their voices heard or, or can you tell us about that? Like how sure. can people do it? Yeah, I can, because, uh, uh, we started it and, and you have to have obviously someone neutral lead the charge. It's not, it wouldn't be your mayor. It wouldn't be um, a staff member. It's got to be someone neutral who can um, be the lead in making and allowing people to voice what's in their of interest to them. And, uh, you know, you document that process. And, and then, of course, you... Um, it all starts with brainstorming all the crazy ideas that you possibly can put on a piece of paper. And, and, uh, then somehow, some way, some things all just click and you go, yeah, we could do this if we do this, if we do this and, and so on. So, um, it's so all these, part of a strategic planning process. Was, was this the session? Um, was it engaged Nova Scotia that yeah. led the, at the yeah. fire hall? This was, yeah, we had a few sessions at the fire hall up at the high school. Um, we had them around the town in various areas. Um, pretty exciting. It was it was pretty exciting to to get the feedback from people and and prioritize what was important. And um, we were we were just getting that going in the last uh, couple of years. Yeah. Can you think? Was there anything sp- specific that came out of that that you can think of that the town took and went and? Um, I, I think that um, for sure there was. Um, like the community credit union community innovation center, uh, people had said, we need a place that business can meet and talk about ideas and, um, just generally, generally, um, get together to, to think of ways of how to improve our community. And, and that kind of spawned the idea of getting the credit union innovation center going and, and working with uh, the credit union to help the town make that happen. And, uh, you know, that became a, a pretty good success story for the town. Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot with, um, yeah, the Chamber of Commerce is over there and the Business Connectors there and CBDC's there. Uh, I think um, Elizabeth Smith McCross in the MLA's office is in there now. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I think that, you know, you're making, you're developing a core of people that can, can help make a difference depending on what the topic or project or strategy is, right? Yeah. So that was, so that those public meetings and public hearings was one way to get, for people to get involved. Is there anything else like on a regular basis or, yeah, I'll say on a, on a regular day to day, are there formal channels or formal ways people can get involved? 
Well, in, in municipal government, you just call your, your councillor or your mayor or your deputy mayor. Really, it is, it's just that simple as far as if you have something on your mind and you want to voice it, voice it. You know, I mean, uh, that's what uh, elected officials are for. Uh, they're there to hear what you have to say. Um, quite frankly, um, you know, I, I, there, there is the, the, the issue about, uh, I call it STP, same 10 people, that mm-hmm. uh, that unfortunately have absolutely nothing good to say. It's always the negative side of things. And so you, you have to gauge um what is important to the community and what will make a difference versus the one that just complains about everything under the sun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, uh, um, but generally when you, when you bring things up and usually um, no matter what the topic is, it makes it to the council table. Um, Usually a, a member will put it on the committee council of the whole committee of the whole, uh, as an agenda item to bring up, to discuss, and determine if there is an action or should there be a response back to the person. Or maybe it's just as simple as the councillor, mayor, deputy mayor say, okay, I know what to do now. I'm going to go back to that citizen and, and tell them what the story is on that issue. So, yeah. yeah. So that's at the, so this is one of the things I don't always quite understand. You mentioned that was the committee of the whole. Committee of the whole. That's basically the meeting that reviews all the details about any initiative, any project, any um, report that's coming in to council from the various departments, the management of the town, essentially. And uh, it's reviewed at the Committee of the Whole. The, all the facts are provided at the Committee of the Whole. If council from that meeting says, hey, I need some more information, they'll ask for it. Uh, and it'll it'll be brought forward at the full council meeting if a decision has to be made at that point, or it can be deferred to the next committee, the whole meeting, depending on the circumstance. So those two are, they're, they're a little bit different, like the committee, yep. the whole meeting and the town council meeting, like the, like the town council meeting that happens at, you know, every, whatever, the second Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. Like that's yep. different than the committee of the whole. Yep, Absolutely. Um, it's, it's usually held a week prior to the full council meeting, you know, and, and I've heard the comment that, uh, and it, and it continues today, which is that, you know, council, um, doesn't do a lot of debating at the full council meeting. They, they basically make decisions and move on to the topics, which makes the meeting fairly short. That's absolutely true. But, and it's because all that discussion happened at the committee, the whole meeting. Right. So the committee of the whole meeting, if you're a townsperson, can you, like anybody can attend the evening town council yep. meetings? Can a, yes, absolutely. I'll say a regular person attend the committee of the whole meeting? Yes. Okay. The, the only exception, uh, and I, I call it an exception or guideline that we have is, um, or we had, and <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just going by memory here, but sure. uh, we had was that if you wanted to speak about a topic to council, you did have to ask to speak formally to council and state what your topic was and who you were and those kind of details. And basically it was to make it a formal process so that you were on the agenda, you were recognized and uh, the the issue was addressed that way instead of um, years ago. And, and I, I remember those days um, when uh, council, uh, 
well, I'll give you an example. There were there were there were a couple, but one was um, the change to a municipal trash collection system or a waste collection system. Well, um, that was back when you could come into the council chambers uh, as a group, a mob, as a thousand people, and shout and scream and and go on and and just completely disrupt the council session and nothing got accomplished and uh oh boy those were a lot of fun those meetings <laughs> i can tell you <laughs> but yeah, I uh picture those yeah. Yeah. so you know council rightfully so put put in guidelines so that at least it was controlled in terms of um people were still permitted to say what was on their mind, but they had to take the time to ask, get on the agenda and then state their case. So it was, it was basically that, but uh, yeah, there was. I could. Yeah. So how did the, how did the garbage collection meeting go then? Well, uh, we, you know, we persevered quite frankly, because there were a lot of people who did not want us to go to one collector and, um, but we we've seen the long-term benefit of it and quite frankly today we have a wonderful waste collection system for our not just Amherst but our entire Cumberland community and um you know things are are progressing well they're well financed they've got you know efficient sufficient funds to keep the operation going and and continue to improve on waste stream management and those kinds of things and so the right decision was made, but there were people who didn't like the decision, right? Yeah, and that's understandable. That's that's change or or whatever. But like, I don't remember that. But there was multiple waste collectors at one point. Like, oh yeah, there was uh, ten to twelve foot garbage collectors, and each one would have like a different part of town that they do, or was it? Just different customers didn't even have they criss they could crisscross in the town. It's whoever you know, uh, and they were all wonderful people, great people, but. Uh, um, you know, in the long term, just wasn't sustainable. So um, the the towns, the county, we got together and um, um, made it happen with a single waste stream. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, for the town, like if the town's responsible for garbage collection and there's an issue and somebody calls in and then you go, so you live on, you know, Rupert Street. Who yeah. picks up your garbage? Yeah. No, yeah. not that many. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. see the administrative well, work. Yeah, and and we 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 completely remove the municipalities from that function. So now you you come you call the uh, the collection agency and mm. Cumberland and uh, Waste Joint Services Management Authority, and they uh, they take care of it for you. Right. Okay. So, um, I wanted to ask again, like, to, if you wanted to speak to council and get on the committee of the whole agenda, because it, it strikes me as if you show up at the Tuesday evening town council meeting to express an opinion that I don't want to say you're too late for the discussion, but you've missed that may not be the proper time to express your opinion. If you want to try to influence something that it was almost earlier on, does that seem yeah. like a fair? Yeah, no, I, I actually, um, that's, that's late in the process. If you're going to a council meeting and, and present that, um, as far as communicating to the public, that's the, the right thing to do for, you know, any person to do, because not only are you communicating to council, but you're, you're trying to teach the public 
on your topic, whatever that topic is. But if you're, you know, you, you got a specific thing that, uh, or, or, or issue or project or strategy or that sort of thing, nah, don't just organize a meeting with uh, the mayor um, uh, and the CAO and um, just start it off, kick it off with that. With uh, usually, you know, it, it doesn't matter what business you're in, you, you need facts and data to make an intelligent decision. So, um, you know, you, I guess if I was, if I was to give you the steps, those step one, get the facts and data that support your, your topic that you want to discuss. Right. And two, uh, if I was going to say the second step was, um, get some people who are like-minded that have the same interest as you that can sit at a table and, demonstrate that there is a genuine interest on that and it's not a sole you're the only guy interested in this project and that's all there is to it get some other people on board that will support that idea and then meet with um members of council or the mayor or um and, and get it started get the conversation going mm-hmm. yeah that makes sense that multiple people expressing the same opinion or sharing the same voice has a bit more power yeah. strike me for coming to any member of government or influencing anything. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah, I had another question that I was thinking of going with that. Okay. So can you think of like, as your term, either as a counselor or as mayor, like, can you tell us about, was there an example or was there a time where a group of people came together to successfully either change policy or change an opinion or change somebody's mind or advocate for something different in the town? Um, there were many times, <laughs> uh, where, you know, through, uh, um, just from the beginning, uh, when I, when I ran for council and then, uh, when I was deputy mayor, the second term and there, there wasn't, uh, wasn't a year that, that didn't happen, that there wasn't some issue. You know, I'll give you a couple examples. One was sure. um, the, um, of course, we the, the town hall was located, um, you know, um, um, down on, um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, down um, on Ratchford Street. Ratchford the, Street. Yeah. And um, anyway, um, we thought that town hall, we, we should try to save the Dominion building because – it was like the crown jewel for the town in terms of the the building itself, where it was located. It was truly a beautiful building, and um, and they had a wonderful, wonderful theater group in it um, doing lots of stuff. However, not sustainable. I can't support that group. That not group. sustainable, right? So um, we made the decision that we should move forward with. Uh, moving town hall to that location. And, uh, I can tell you that, um, didn't know, didn't matter where I was, <laughs> whether <laughs> I was in Amherst or Halifax or wherever. Um, I had people that approached me, um, asking me to change my mind uh, and, uh, not to proceed with that project. And do I not care about theater and, and the arts and, and that sort of thing. And of course, I do. And, um, so, you know, trying to explain that to, to people though, who have already made their mind up about something is, you know, it was tough. It was a tough situation. And, um, but in the long term, again, 
it, it was for the better of the town. So, um, I, with that, I still advocate or still push for maybe, maybe I need to take some of this advice that we could improve our facilities and infrastructure for the arts yes. for sort of the culture in town. Absolutely. So, yeah. Well, that, and, and you know what, and that should be, um, on that list of st strategic initiatives that the, the town takes steps towards, right? You know, I mean, uh, you got to do what you can afford, but you can take baby steps. It doesn't mean you have to do it all at once. Um, and get yourself in a position. It's, it's much like, you know, the, um, when, when the town, um, developed the sewage treatment plant, um, that project was on the books for a very long time. And, um, the fact that we completed that project was because through, um, our support with the Federation of Canadian Municipalities, which I can talk about in a minute, and their role in convincing the federal government to set aside money, capital money, for projects to help the infrastructure of municipalities across Canada, that um, we were able to do that project. And that's how that all happened, because it was just too much money for Little Amherst to do all by itself. Absolutely. Which but it is, had to be done. Yeah, which is kind of interesting. In, in the sense that it's almost like the Amherst through the Federation of Canadian Municipalities had to do the same sort of thing, you know, get more like-minded people together to then, yeah. we'll say, lobby or advocate to another level of government yeah. um, to get what, get what they want and get what they need. So um, one other question with this, is this, when you go in to start advocating for it, is I guess, is this a quick process? Of course, it depends on the project, right? You know, it depends on uh, is it uh, something that can be done relatively quickly or is it something that you've we got to check to see, well, okay, is there a bylaws that get in our way? Do we need to change those? Um, is what exactly kind of, I will, I'll call it red tape, but I've never seen any red tape, although yeah. everybody <laughs> refers to it as red tape yeah. uh, to see you know, what, what is needed to, to make this happen? And is, is it realistic to think that it's going to happen? You know, I mean, cause it, sometimes the reality is it's, it's not something that's within the, the, the ability of the municipality to do. It needs partners like the provincial and federal government. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Um, I want to move on to something else, but this is sort of the standard question I ask. I've, I've for, asked some other people, but one that gets asked a lot is basically when you get down to economic development for the towns, you know, so why can't the town just go out and get another big employer for the industrial park? I mean, it should be easy, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, it should be easy. Um, no, it's, it's not easy. Um, you know, there's wonderful things about the town of Amherst to where we're located, the center of the Maritimes and all those wonderful things. Um, and, it really comes down to decisions that need to be made in concert with the provincial government and sometimes the federal government, but certainly the provincial government when, when it comes to um, where, where businesses locate, unless that company has a specific desire to locate in Amherst because they're looking for the best bang for their buck. And what happens is, um, municipalities in, in past years, it, it was called the race to the bottom. How much would you give 
to let that employer come here, right? Either payroll rebates, property tax rebates. Exactly. All those things. And uh, none of them contribute to the town, but uh, you know, that's why they called it the race to the bottom. So, um, but there are companies that have, um, you know, good reason why it might be of value to don't to, to locate in Amherst. But um, I got to tell you, in in 2008, when I started out my first term as mayor, 2008 was the freaking recession, yeah. right? I mean, that's when yeah. everything hit the the brakes. Yeah. So, as I said, I would say the world's economy almost stopped. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. four friggin' years of pain, and I can tell you, just in 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 my job when I uh, as I work uh, at IMP, that went through the same situation where companies just contracted. I mean, uh, there was just no business anywhere. Nobody was spending anything. Um, and it, so it takes incentives from governments to make those kinds of things happen. And, um, now other dynamics, like, uh, you, you mentioned, well, surely we can just get a manufacturer to come in when manufacturing is shrinking by 10% per year for the last decade across Canada and is now one of the smallest industries in Canada. But, um, I think that, and, and this is where it comes back to, we're coming out of a pandemic. We've discovered that, oh my goodness, there's nowhere in Canada that you can buy face masks at the, at the beginning of this, right? Or there was nowhere that you could get gowns or there were all these things that were needed. Medication, prescriptions. And we, could, we, we couldn't even get them. And I think, uh, and this is me sitting on the soapbox, yep. is... Uh, <laughs> I think that this is where government plays a vital role in making strategic decisions that ensure that the health and welfare of all of Canada and all the citizens are supported by the infrastructure like manufacturing of those kinds of products and our food industry and ensuring that it's sustainable, not just in one location, but across Canada. I mean, the recent news has been about the beef, uh, you know, and, and what's happened out West and, and, and a terrible situation. And, and we're relying on one location, you know, and for me, I think that the strategy should be, let's make sure that all of Canada is covered, right. You know, and, and that we have pockets of support for beef industry or whatever industry it is, quite frankly, is, is across Canada and not located in one spot, you know, and, and quite frankly, we have to get away from being reliant on China for every manufactured product we we buy. Um, I know we love to buy things cheap, and I do too, but we really do need to support Canadian industry and Canadian business. Yeah, it's a yeah. I like that thought. I like that one too. I I, I was I was going to say with that as I never would have thought the border between Nova Scotia and New Brunswick would be closed like <laughs> yeah. just never would think it and so you're kind of your comment on the manufacturing and and it's sort of an interesting question and an interesting time for somebody to take that avenue or see if there is something for them to maybe start off you know you probably can't go out and buy one of the buildings in the industrial park and start manufacturing but maybe there's a smaller something you can start with yeah yeah and, i mean you know, uh, uh, the days of a thousand jobs uh, making cars now those are those are far gone and uh in fact the car industry is changing so fast right now that uh, you know it's it's unbelievable so um 
Anyway. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one. I, w- Pretty- I do want to... I do want to move on to sort of your background and kind of what got you into the politics and into running for council. But I want to take just a quick minute and just do a short word from one of our sponsors, which is, well, it's from me. It's from uh, for the Great Amherst Podcast Newsletter. Um, if you want to have uh, the updates on all the latest episodes sent right to your inbox, uh, just go to tgapod.com slash subscribe, sign up there. Uh, you'll get an email when we post new episodes. You'll get updated on upcoming guests, uh, what's what's happening and what's what's going on with the podcast. And over the next uh, month, six weeks, as things start coming back online, I'd like to start being able to add other community events to this newsletter so that you can have a sense of what's open, uh, what events are happening in town, different things like that. So if that interests you, you can go back to uh, tgapod.com slash subscribe. So... I am curious, you you first round ran for council in 1994. So, yeah. Was there something? Can you tell 33 us? 33 years old. 33 years old and boys, oh boys. Uh, you know, it was one of those cases, I got to tell you, that um, um, I, I was upset as, a, as an as an Amherstonian. I, mm. I guess I was up because you, you may not be aware of this, Am, Andrew, but... Um, we had a project in a town called the atrium project yeah, and it. it was a saga of events that failed and it was in the center of our downtown it's and where the at- uh, health authority is downtown now right the yeah side. that area yeah, yeah. and uh, just and and i got mad i thought this is not right you know and and the town is sunk dollars lots of dollars that we quite for couldn't afford but did it anyway and uh that was kind of the reason why i ran for council back then i said this got to stop and uh you know everyone that i talked to at that time said enough's enough let's do something let's stop this thing from derailing the town and and um but you, you know i it was easy I, I ran for council and and people elected me and I thank them for that. But boy, that was a tough, tough three year period. I'll tell you, cause, uh, we, some of the nights that, uh, that I went home and I know other members of the council, the day went home, our stomachs were just upset with worry. Um, and, and of, of what the outcome of all of the initiatives, all the things that we investigated led to. And, um, so very tough three years, and um, who else was on? Who else was on council at that point? Um, in the first year of my council, it was uh, Joyce Couchy was the mayor, and uh, there was uh, George Baker, I believe, Ed Chitty, Roy Malpe, um, Teresa Halfcanny, uh, Ross Blanche, um, Dale Fothrop. I, th- I think that's the ones that were on the council that back then, uh, just going by memory, I might have yeah. that a little screwed up, but yeah. I think that's what it was. I think we'll and, hear if we do. Oh, <laughs> sure. I'll get sorted out on that. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, uh, no, Wayne Bishop, Wayne Bishop, Wayne Bishop was on the council back then. Um, so I did get that mixed up. It was Wayne Bishop that was on council for that first year. <laughs> Sorry about that, Wayne. Didn't didn't mean to, you know. So yeah. um, that was kind of why we, we ran. And then, of course, 
wasn't quite finished in in uh, 97 so ran again and uh, this time uh, change uh, Jerry Haley was elected as mayor um, I was elected uh, not elected selected as deputy mayor because back then um, you were selected by the mayor and uh, Jerry had uh, selected me as deputy mayor yeah so that's that was what's kicked it off for me in terms of uh, council. So when you think back to the very first campaign, like when you went out, like I've asked a couple other people this too. Can you think about like that very first door that you went up to, to get ready to knock on and say, you know, I'm Rob Small and running for town councilor. Can you remember how you were feeling yeah, I, or I how that was? I, you know what? I, I just, I don't have a problem with that um, because whether it's a positive or a negative experience, and, and thankfully they were most of them were positive. <laughs> um, people actually genuinely do want to say hello. They do want to know who you are, and um, they do want to get a feel for what's this guy all about, right? You know, is is he? Uh, what kind of a guy is he? So I I never had an issue with that. Um, I actually enjoy talking to people because they they give you feedback in private that they wouldn't give you in a group. And, um, sometimes that's the way it needs to be to get an honest opinion. Yeah. 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 Some people don't want to go against what either friends or family or somebody else thinks, but maybe they feel a little bit differently. Yeah. Everybody has a, as, as a, an opinion, of course, but, um, just a different view, just a different slant of a, view on a topic and so one of the things that i learned and and uh, i i gotta tell you i thank uh, teresa halfcanny for this was um in in the second term as council i always wanted to hear what teresa had to say from a woman's perspective quite frankly because it was different than a male or my view and it it opened me uh, or, or my thoughts up to understanding how someone, you know, a, a female would think and, and view that particular issue. And I, I really appreciated her input because it, she made a great deal of contribution to our discussion. Right. Yeah. It's sort of, it's getting that, it sort of reinforces the need for different opinions, different viewpoints. Like there's different, everybody would have had a different, uh, history or path through life that leads them to suggesting or wanting or needing something different. Yep. Which, which sort of ties back into the whole initial, everybody getting their opinions out or getting their voices heard. So what about in 2008, what led you towards putting your name forward and running for mayor? Ah, yeah. Well, I guess it all started with a phone call. <laughs> all right. And uh, yeah, it was uh, at the time mayor, Haley was uh, deciding to whether he was going to continue on. Um, and he called me and, and asked me, Hey Rob, just thinking about maybe I'm not going to reoffer. And um, I was wondering if you'd be interested in offering your name. Um, and I said, well, uh, I'll give it some thought. And uh, I talked to some friends, my close friends and some people around that are always around and, uh, kind of bounced it off then to see what they thought. Um, my kids had at that point grown up, you know, and, and, uh, were doing their thing. So I, 
you know, that eight year gap between 2000 and 2008, uh, I took care of all those other things that you do nowadays. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> and, um, uh, so I decided to run and, um, I, 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 I was so thankful to all of the businessmen and the, the, the folks, the, um, the ladies in business, the, uh, just everybody, doctors, lawyers, everyone who, who got behind me and supported me um, to, to make it happen, to, to become mayor. And so uh, very appreciative of everyone that helped. Uh, yeah. There were a lot, there were a lot of people. So I thank them for that. Well, that's, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. It's, it's, yeah, I think that's a big decision. Like it's, like you said, it's uh yeah, the being a mayor of town takes a lot of time. It is a big commitment. You know, you don't do it for the, the compensation. That's not, that's not, not the case, but. I know, sure isn't. Um, <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the thing about um, um, anyone who runs in municipal government, you know, if you, if you, if you're running for the money, you're, you're crazy. is crazy to think that uh, there's, there's anything I, I, you know, I've heard people say, well, now that you've retired, Robert, uh, <laughs> you know, you're getting that big town pension <laughs> and uh, yeah. What, what town pension? There's no such thing as a pension for municipal politics, but um, uh, you're doing it for the right reasons, which is try to make the town better for everybody. Right. So that's what it boils down to. Yeah, and and with that, we're 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 getting near the end of our sort of the end of our time, and uh, I wanted to leave or ask you sort of. Currently, we have a municipal election scheduled for the fall. Yeah, hopefully yeah, we do. it happens. Yeah, you know, hopefully it happens. Hopefully, it doesn't get postponed. Do you have any thoughts or suggestions if there's people out there that are sitting at home going, "Well, maybe I'd run, maybe not. You know, maybe I should do it, maybe not." Do you have any? Um, sure, I do. Sure, I do. Um, and and I've seen you know people that have been successful and 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 those that have not. And it's important for people to understand if they're thinking about running for for any municipal or federal or provincial government is that uh, um, don't think your life is going to be private anymore because it's not going to be. You know, you have to understand that people want to access you whenever they want to access you and uh yeah you got to get used to that but if you're thinking about running gauge your support before you even offer up your hand to to do it find out if you have some support behind you um that could rally together and and help you become elected it doesn't matter um you know what where you're from or, or anything like that. It's got nothing to do with that. It's, do you have the support and can you present yourself with views that you can speak to and people respect your view and understand what it is you're trying to say? Um, there is nothing worse than hearing a candidate speak about a topic that they've know nothing about because they really, you can tell I'm a person in the public who's sitting, whether they're sitting down at a table listening to, um, you know, an interview like this one, or if they're, um, you know, in a down at the lion's den, listen to the candidates debate. They can tell when someone knows what they're talking about versus someone who doesn't have a clue and is just really trying to fill some time uh, when they're talking. Yeah. Yes. I think, yeah, that's a good way to put it. 
That's a good way to put it. So yeah, I, I appreciate you doing the interview with me today, Rob. I enjoyed it. It was, uh, yeah, I was glad to hear more about your experiences and what got you in and where, what's led you to this point and how, yeah. And sort of the, well, what you learned through it. It's not over yet, Andrew. I mean, you're still in plenty of years left, you know, that's so, true. You know, we, there's still time to do it again. So, um, we'll just, um, recharge the batteries here and, um, see where it goes from there. But I really did appreciate the conversation. We didn't get into a lot of topics that I love talking about, but I will say this, if someone wants to talk about anything and uh, they want to bounce the topic or the suggestion or the idea or how to approach a topic, give me a call at home here, wherever I'm, I'd love to talk about it and see if, if you can make the project successful and, and maybe I can help in some way too. So perfect. No, I appreciate that offer. I've, I've no doubt after you hear from Wayne Bishop saying, you forgot that I was on council. <laughs> Who knows it'll come next. Yeah. That call will come through. I'm sure. Yeah, perfect. All right. Thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks. Thanks again. So thank you to Rob for coming on and talking with me about municipal politics and his experiences. I hope you've enjoyed these three episodes. Uh, I, and I hope you found some value with that. Now I ask if there's anything that if you have any other thoughts, any other feedback, any anything that you've learned from these episodes, send me an email. Let me know. Info at tgapod.com. Send me a message. Let me know. I'd be very curious to hear what other people took away from this series of interviews. Um, again, thank you for Rob coming in. Thank you for Bill coming in a few weeks ago. And thank you for Terry uh, coming in and talking with us. I, I appreciate all of you doing that. And I thank you to everybody who's listening. I'm enjoying doing these shows, and I hope that you are enjoying listening to them as well. Uh, Next week, it's a change of pace. Uh, We have Jesse and Charles with Wismical Farms coming on to talk about how they got into farming in Cumberland County. So have a great week, everybody. We'll talk to you next Monday.